Welcome to episode 64 of Project Geekology. I am one of your hosts, Anthony, and I have a very special guest today. A guest that you all have near and dear to your hearts. And that guest is... Dakota, I have returned from the Grand Line. It was treacherous. It was, it was, it was a little bit less eventful than I expected it to be, but I'm back. I'm back and I'm uh, ready to record and talk about all things One Piece, specifically the live action, but we're going to dive a little bit into the anime and the manga so that we can just dissect this entire universe as far as we can but we're going to stick primarily with the live action series. Anthony, I'm excited to be back on. I haven't been on in a couple months. And yeah, how have you been? I have been good. You know, the audience, they've been hearing me, what I've been up to every step of the way. You know, I've been kind of, whether I'm watching anime or I'm playing video games, I think that they want to hear what have you been up to? What are the things that you have been working on? I know that it's been a significant amount of time to be able to talk about everything, but what are some of the highlights of some of the stuff that you've been doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highlights, highlights. All right. So I'm going to work my way back a little bit because I'm trying to think about what I have spoken about on the show or not. So I did a video on the Spider-Verse, specifically the first two movies in that series, how they're connected to the MCU. There's tangential connections and then there's like actual connections that may have ramifications within the MCU. So I made a video about that as well as like its timeline and everything. So that was really fun. That was a good time. I'm currently actually making a timeline video on the first season of One Piece, the the live action. That's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a little bit surprising, I think, you'll find, because I've done a lot of research into the manga. I've done a lot of, well, not a lot of research, but I've done some research into the anime to determine what the present day year is. And it's not as cut and dry as many fans seem to think it is. So I'm excited to dissect that a little bit and get a little deeper into what the potential timeline and present day year that the live action show dives into. And on like a more personal note, I got a new pet. I have a cat. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I have a dog named Luna. Yes, uh, I just seen her wandering about. Yeah, yeah, she's a she's an Airedale. Is she behind me? No, she's not. She's an Airedale Terrier. She's a lot of fun. Good girl. We got a cat, a female cat named, or we named her Umbra because, you know, we have Luna, the moon. Now we need the shadow of the moon, so the Umbra. So we chose Umbra as a name, and we've had okay. her for probably two months now. Oh, nice. And today, I think we found out that she's actually a boy, so it's going to be Umbro from now on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Bro. Yeah, she started developing balls, and uh, yeah, so that's a pretty sure sign that she's not a female. (laughs) It's like, hey, wait a minute. You've been tricking us the whole time. There was something that wasn't there before. (laughs) Yeah, so we're not totally sure about that yet. We'll we'll get back to you, but pretty sure Umbra is an Umbro. Nice, or Umbreon, you know? Oh, yeah, well, we thought about that too, yeah. That was my first thought when you said Umbra. I was like, Umbreon. Mm, Yeah, yeah. I, I also thought of like... The planet Umbara, which is from Star Wars. That's like that really dark planet in the Clone Wars. Anyway. Oh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka's been a huge part of my life. I don't know if it's been a part of your life. but Oh, absolutely. I've been telling the fans about it. I honestly told them, and maybe you can put your two cents into it, but I said that 
while you can watch it and enjoy it without seeing Clone Wars and Rebels, I recommend at least seeing Rebels. Like Rebels is gonna make a clear picture, especially when it comes to these characters and their relationships with each other because they don't establish it because it's already been established, you know, it's there in Rebels. What's interesting about Ahsoka is that you don't need, you don't technically need to watch Clone Wars and Rebels to understand what's going on. They give you all the pertinent information that you need in the episodes, but you will get a lot more enjoyment out of it if you do a little bit of homework, if you do a little bit of, you know, watching of Rebels and even Clone Wars. They do have that episode where they jump into flashbacks of the Clone Wars or like visions of the Clone Wars. That was so awesome. Yeah, and the finale, without teasing anything or spoiling anything, they definitely tease a major arc in the Clone Wars. And you know what's funny? Like, my parents watched it. They haven't seen any of the animated series. They loved it. They really loved it. You know, like, they thought it was, like, real, like, fresh Star Wars to them. And that's exciting for me to hear, you know, like, that this can be viewed not only as you know like a follow-up to rebels but also just a a solid entry into the star wars canon even for those who haven't seen what came before so that's exciting and and yeah i I would love to talk about it in more detail in a future episode if you'll have me oh absolutely yes and it definitely be awesome to talk about some of the influences of heir to the empire you know into that oh dude it's totally like leaning directly into that storyline like and you know that Filoni has his standalone Star Wars film that or not standalone but it's it's like a you know he has his own Star Wars film lined up and everything is leading towards like an heir to the empire adaptation for canon so it's really interesting it's I'm excited to see what happens of it absolutely man also loki just started up i don't know if you've watched the first episode yet no but i need to hop on to that when it comes to like watching stuff it depends on what it is ahsoka i was like right on top of it but when it comes to some of these other shows loki i'm excited for but i have to be in the mood to want to sit down and watch something because i don't want to sit and watch something that i know that i'm gonna enjoy and not really give it the time of day that i want to give it you know Totally. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. For some reason, like, the Star Wars shows have, like, a tighter grasp on me when it comes to, like, I gotta watch this immediately yes. versus the MCU shows. Even though, like, a lot of my content on YouTube is about the MCU, I've always felt a closer connection to the Star Wars universe just because it's what I grew up on, you know? So, but what, I, I gotta be honest, Loki's Season two's premiere is solid. Like, it's really a return to form. And you know the first season of Loki is amazing. Right, um, yeah. It was it was amazing. And, I mean, we talked about it. We have an episode on that yeah. first season. And I'm pretty excited to hop into that. I think part of it stems from maybe some Marvel fatigue. Because there's yeah. just a lot of stuff that they've been just, like, pumping out that's just, like, very subpar. Sure. Yeah, a lot of their stuff that could be, like, knocked out of the park has been really lackluster. I mean, Secret Invasion, what a waste. In my opinion, I I really believe that that had some serious potential, and it lost a lot of people. It was just week in, week out of very, like, all the reveals in Secret Invasion were super rote. Like, you were able to pick them out a mile away, like, oh, that's Nick Fury. Oh, that's not Nick Fury. Oh, this is just a scroll thing. But it was never surprising to me which is like what spy thrillers are supposed to be. And that really, I think it did a number on the MCU because they pushed it as something that's so huge and so big. And then it was just 
such a nothing burger you know i know that when the show first started i think a, a couple of episodes in you felt it was a little promising to you like you felt good it about was it. and then i guess it was promising yeah like it dragged on and just people just really started picking that show apart like anywhere from like the ai intro they were like, that was a little ridiculous yeah into it <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of you kind of have to read the room a little bit when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like online, it maybe you know off of Twitter or off of X now. That's not a big deal. But like when it comes to like the Twitter sphere, which is pretty, it's probably the most influential of the social medias in terms of you know relaying ideas and stuff. Like AI is like is not a popular thing right now online, just because it is taking up creative ideas it's not replacing you know manual labor it's not replacing like desk jobs for the most part ai is replacing creative endeavors and i think that that a lot of people see that as like a serious issue going forward you know especially like the development of ai and being indistinguishable from you know actual creative work from humans and i think that's a, a very big fear and it should be a big fear for for any creator out there but the idea of marvel using it as one of their intros or like using it in part as one of their intros because it wasn't totally ai uh, right. a lot of people think it was 100 percent. but like they they definitely use artifacts to make it its own thing and i actually i'm gonna be a little controversial here i i actually do like the intro to a degree for that because it's unique a it broke a standard that probably shouldn't have broken because i don't think that hollywood should use ai in that manner but it worked in the sense that from a thematic point of view the shape-shifting scrolls could be anyone and anywhere and it, it, it loses it's like lifeness no it's not the word it, it loses its ability to be lifelike and I think that that's kind of what they were going for and that like everything was shifting and like changing. And I think at the time that they made that intro, it wasn't as frowned upon as it is nowadays. But anyway. I, I know you and I, we talked about AI a little bit and it's not a good replacement for stuff, but it is a good tool, you know? Oh yeah, gonna, and you can definitely- you're not, you're not gonna take out a drill and expect it to build a home. You know, you need right. to have the actual person to work it. So it's a good companion to have. And honestly, to tell you the truth, it's almost like a really good Google. Like, I mean, if you need to find out answers, sometimes it replaces the need to search Google for hours when you got AI right there, you know? So there's, yeah. there's different ways that it's being used. And I would say taking shortcuts and stuff that you shouldn't take shortcuts in, I could see where the problem is. Totally. And I do think that the ultimate idea of it, like replacing creative endeavors is a scary thought, you know, like the, so we're recording this October 10th. It's a few days out from the, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America has finally ratified their new agreement with the Association of Motion Pictures and TV Producers. They've one of the agreements that they came to together was not to use AI in a certain capacity, you know, like to replace writers or anything like that, mm -hmm. because it was actually like a proposition that was proposed once the strike started. Well, we can use AI to like replace our writers. And that was just like such a scary thought because like, no, writers do good work. They, sh they shouldn't have to fear for their jobs for that. Yeah, so yeah, no, exactly. So that's like con contractually in their thing now. So they can't be replaced in that respect. 
So AI has the potential to do a lot of good for mankind, ultimately. I want to say like it has like, there's more possibility for like a net good than a net bad, but there will be right. bad along the way, you know? Like there's going to be stumbling blocks that people are going to hate and it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. And I'm not totally for it, you know? I'm, I, I'm going to be honest, like, I, I do think that it's an excellent tool. It's a crazy tool, but I also think it's a tool that we're getting so quick and so readily that it's really dangerous you know, at the offset. You know, like all of my wife's kids in school use ChatGPT for pretty much everything. And it's an entire class that's now useless almost because she can't determine like whether or not like a kid is writing her essays themselves or if it's a computer writing them. And sometimes you can tell because obviously like not all of them have <laughs> a super, like a really intelligent lexicon of vocabulary <laughs> or whatever. Right. Uh, she can tell like if it's not their words. Right, right, right. It's like, yeah, you need to go through and take out yeah, the stuff least... that you know that you wouldn't actually say. <laughs> what does this word mean? You have no idea. Right, right, right. But yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like taking a shortcut in stuff that you probably shouldn't take a shortcut right. in is a bad use of chat GPT. But using it as a tool that, that can help make your work a little bit easier, your workload a little bit easier, but still yeah. putting in the work. I could see it. I could like, see it. I mean, you see that I use it for editing. You know, I use it to help actually close a lot of the gaps and to take out filler words we're creating this episode i'm not using chat gpt to actually create the episode so it's a tool that i'm using to make my work easier honestly it transcribes the whole episode and honestly makes it easier to edit because i'm not looking at, at just a bunch of wavelengths i'm looking at words well, speak for yourself because I'm writing down all your questions into ChatGPT so that I can just read out what it thinks in my voice. No I'm kidding. You know, I can so hear we, on we've my phone we've been talking now. we've been talking quite a bit about ChatGPT and Oka yes. and Loki and even Secret Invasion and and my cat Umbro. We should probably jump into oh, and also I've been playing a little bit of Baldur's Gate. That's that's also yes, been a lot of fun. man. That's so good. Dude, it's is awesome. Yeah, crazy I love game. It. Crazy game. All right, so. So let's jump into our discussion of One Piece, the Netflix series. Going into it, Anthony, like, did you have high hopes? Oh, no. I know that. Absolutely not. Absolutely. I had Talk no hope in this being good. Did you I even mean, know that it was people... that it existed before it like popped up or? So, yeah, I know that it existed for a little while now, but I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And then I saw the trailer and I feel like the trailer doesn't really show enough of the show and it, it makes it look like a bad anime adaptation in my opinion. Interesting, interesting. And look at the Cowboy Bebop one. The Cowboy Bebop trailer looked really good, but the actual show fell flat. Right. And I mean, but there's that's, a, there's a lot of reasons for that, but it's just, yeah, I had no hopes for it. I saw the trailer, I was just like, I don't know. And then just my past experience with live action adaptations for any anime, I've seen the Death Note, wasn't a big fan. Did I even well, that was a bad like, one. That was yeah. a really bad one. The live, dude, there's like a live action Attack on Titan movie. I seen that, I'm like, no. And I mean, Cowboy Bebop, there's also they did bleach yeah they did bleach i didn't get to see bleach but i've seen enough live action adaptations to say that it just doesn't work like I, you remember you remember opinion. dragon ball Gosh. evolution that dragon that ball evolution like, dude that took <laughs> the source material and was like mm, 
yeah, whatever. We're just gonna take the names <laughs> from this anime, and oh I mean, dude, like, I don't understand it. They did the same thing with the Halo show. It's like, dude, you have the source material. Stop trying to reinvent the wheel. If you want to take some liberties and add some stuff to it, that's fine. But stop trying to create this whole thing that already exists. Right. Okay. Now that I have that opinion of you, you've experienced live action anime series before. I just want to preemptively, you know, like before we start talking about One Piece proper, I want to just, you know, like a couple months, probably about six months ago, I was sitting with Anthony in Florida. We were having a drink and he like turned to me. He goes, I'm going to start watching One Piece. Or he said, I started watching One Piece. I'm going to watch yes. it all. Yeah. And I, I, I looked at you. I looked at you like you were crazy. I'm like, dude, that's a thousand plus episodes. But what are you doing? And and you're like, I don't know, man. It looks pretty fun. And I thought you were crazy. I was just like, all right, well, have fun. Let me know how it goes. I think in that moment, I was in the Alabasta saga. Oh, so you had gotten pretty far. Yeah, I had gotten pretty far. Right now, I'm in the Sky Island saga. I'm in Skypea. The Skypea arc. So. Okay. So yeah, like I'm pretty decent. I'm still like earlier on in the anime, but I'm deep enough to like be invested because like I'm almost 200 episodes in. But honestly, I could be further into the anime, but I take breaks. Like I'll take, you know, maybe like a couple weeks off and then like I'll hit it hard again, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so. it's a lot. It's a thousand episodes of TV. Yeah. I messaged you a couple weeks back. Yo. Or I, I don't remember what I said, but it, it, it amounted to early reviews for the live action One Piece are saying it's an excellent adaptation. What did you think when I said that? When you told me, I, I was just like, wait, what? So I had to look it up myself and I'm like, dude, what? There's, and everybody's literally saying the same thing. I mean, there were some reviews that were kind of like, eh on it, but for the most part, most of the reviews were pretty happy with it and saying that oh this show has broken the curse and i'm like dude wait what oh i need to see this then <laughs> i was gonna watch it anyway but i didn't hold out much hope for it before seeing all that stuff not to say that reviews will stop me from going to see anything but a lot of the times reviews are right about some stuff yeah they're at least indicative of like how you can expect to receive it you know especially if it's like a reviewer that you like trust or you know like that they're excited for it like all right i like what they're into usually i'll probably check this out so i heard early rumblings so i'm in a group chat with a couple reviewers on twitter and i heard early rumblings that this was like to take a line from the show not the king of the pirates but like king of the anime adaptations and i was just like really all right well i gotta check it out then and yeah it turns out i loved it i kind of savored it watched maybe like one two episodes tonight watched it over the course of about a week super solid bro just so impressive and it got me into one piece because prior to that i had maybe seen one episode of one piece like episode 700 something for some reason and I didn't understand a, a thing about it. And I've never read any of the manga. But it got me really into it. And since then, I've been reading the... I just ordered volumes 5 and 6 of the manga. And they should be coming either tonight or tomorrow. So, I'm excited about that. The live-action adaptation got a lot of people to go and watch the anime. Or pick up the manga. So now there's like a whole new wave of One Piece fans. But... Yeah, I made the decision earlier this year before the release of the live action adaptation or like even before they 
we're talking more about it and releasing the trailer. I'm just gonna go and watch One Piece. Why not? Miguel has been watching it. He's yeah, been telling yeah, yeah. me. Dude, I've seen bits and pieces of One Piece throughout the years. I remember seeing some of it when I was a kid and thinking back like, you know, this anime looks really cool. I want to watch it, but I just never got to it. Before we knew it, dude, we're over a thousand episodes in now, but there are reasons that keep me going. To tell you the truth, the episodes really aren't that long, especially when you get to certain arcs, they'll have the intro music and then they'll have a whole recap. And before you know it, you're skipping like three minutes of the episode. Then you got the outro, which is like another like almost two minutes. That's so true. Yeah. For the most part, there's a lot of episodes that it brings it from a 22 minute episode down to like 17, 18 minutes. And honestly, how many people will watch a 17, 18 minute YouTube video, like several of them? you know over a yeah of time so that's a good point dude one piece it's not as intimidating as a lot of people think it is sure it's a lot of episodes and you still have to go through a good bit of it but it's not super long like the episodes aren't super long dude i blasted through like 60 episodes last month no more wow. like wow really? like 70 dang yeah <laughs> so okay couple years ago maybe five six years ago i was really big into crunchyroll i was watching pretty much all the new releases whenever you know they would come out they crunchyroll has weekly releases for each yes. new season of anime they uploaded a, a good chunk of one piece to their service and they were releasing new episodes of one piece i was just like instead of watching a hundred it was like 700 something episodes i'll just skip to the first the most recent one and it was like the end of the arc of like dress rosa so i was just like i have no idea who any of these people are or what the heck they're talking about but it was impressive animation at least you know at least i enjoyed it but yeah i didn't watch anymore after that so this was really my introduction proper and i'm glad that i chose this route because it's gotten me really excited about diving into the manga more and diving into the anime because even you know going from the manga to the anime i'm noticing some variations you know like it is an adaptation of the manga it's not a one for one you know there is some wiggle room in terms of like how the story is adapted and like what the characters say to each other and i find that that's really cool you know i find it's really interesting and it also makes it a little more easier or a little more palatable when i notice the the big changes from the manga to the live action because the live action is said to be a adaptation of the manga not an adaptation of the anime so yeah, so it's interesting. Like I, I'm noticing, especially like starting with episode three with like the Black Cat Pirates, that whole arc, while it's very similar, you know, like the final battle instead of being like on the beach is inside yes. of the mansion. You know, I think that that's really, it's an interesting choice. And I think it worked really well for the episode or the story that they were trying to tell, you know? Right. So they, they definitely took some liberties that I felt like didn't hurt it. But I do say, so one of the biggest things that this live action adaptation had versus a lot of these other adaptations is the fact that Oda was behind it. Yeah. The actual creator of One Piece. So this, you know, he was behind this live action. You know, I was saying that he would even, you know, go for reshoots and. Which so is crazy. It's right, crazy right. to think like so, how like much of a hand he had in like making sure that this was done right. Which is awesome because that shows how much respect the showrunners have for the source material. Totally. Which, which is super important. Like this adaptation. 
liberties can be taken and they can be done tastefully, but you have to do it in a way that respects the source material. And that's exactly what happened. And yeah. dude, I absolutely enjoyed it. I've long gone through the East Blue saga. It missed out like one little piece in the East Blue saga that's going to be in the next season. But yeah, that doesn't mean that it was cut out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're clearly going towards that. Yeah, it's really interesting that like they chose to, you know, get the creator's opinion on pretty much all steps of this. And like you said, he was calling for reshoots on certain stuff. Like if it didn't work right. for him, it didn't work for the crew, which is so cool. Before we like start talking about like individual characters, I, I just want to say like the sets on this show were like insane. You know, like the the location shooting, the sets that they built, like the Baratier restaurant. Dude, yes. that was the coolest set ever. I want to go there. I, that's like <laughs> if they ever make like a One Piece Disney World or amusement park, that needs to be there. There needs to be like an outdoor bar that like is in like the fish's mouth. Dude, that's such a cool idea. And oh, dude, it's so much about this show because I rewatched it recently while I was doing my notes for the video that I'm writing. Everything is like just fun to look at, you know, like they chose interesting camera angles. There's a lot of like moving cameras that like make the action more dynamic. There's a lot of really close ups on people's faces that like really showcase the emotion of the scenes that they're in. It, it almost makes you forget like how corny and how campy all of this really is. Like if you really think about like what you're watching, it suspends that disbelief because the characters believe it like you could tell that the story and all the cast and crew were super earnest about telling the whole story that they wanted to tell and like making it faithful to the source material as far as they could, you know? And I think that earnestness came across so well on screen that it just, any like camp or any corniness that like floated up like with Buggy or the Black Cat Pirates or whatever, I didn't care. It was cool. It felt like part of the world. It was part of the world building. And I can't wait to see like what they do with characters like Chopper moving forward. Like, how the heck are they going to do that? <laughs> right. So I've had some people that they've had a couple of gripes about the anime as far as that. And, or no, they've the had... The live action. Yeah, they've had gripes about the live action because of that. And, you know, these are people who watch the anime. I'm like, dude, like, you watch the anime. That zaniness, that camp is there yeah <laughs> you're just there like the difference is that's a cartoon you know like that's exactly. literally i would even say that the live action dials it back a bit because the anime goes bit, over yeah. the top with it yeah so quite a bit i i would say they make it a lot more believable with it being a live action because some live actions lean too much into the craziness of anime and it doesn't come off right you know right it doesn't come off genuine yeah, I, I think a, a big portion of like why this worked was the actors themselves, you know, like the character or the the, the actor who played uh, Luffy in Yaki Godoy, I think his name is. Dude, such a good actor. He was so fun to watch on screen, you know, like every interaction he had with his crew, you know, whether he had a smile on his face or it was like near the end of the season where he's, you know, like telling Nami, of course, I'll help you. Like, dude, everything was just like pitch perfect for the character of Luffy. It felt so right, at least for the, for an, a live action version of him, you know? So I totally agree. And I say that he has that lovable, that like Luffy is lovable, kind of dumb sometimes he's aloof yeah he's definitely aloof. He, he absolutely is but when you need for him to be serious luffy is there and 
they really capture that here in the live action where you know pretty much both sides of luffy and he really does do a great job with that character honestly the rest of the cast do. i've experienced these characters now for almost 200 episodes so you know and a lot of people have been with them for now over a thousand so yeah. to really see that they got these personalities down packed is really just refreshing because that's really what's important the setting is important obviously to make sure that they got it right but you also want to make sure that these characters are tapping into their actual characters that they're portraying yeah and, and sometimes actually i find that the live action is in some ways it's a closer approximation of what the manga had to say than the anime or sorry like the the live action was closer to the manga in some areas than the anime was you know like i'm kind of going all over the place with the discussion but Bear with me. It, it was on my mind when you were talking. At the end of the first episode, they've got the map to the Grand Line. They're about to sail off, and then Kobe goes, I'm going to join the Marines. And, you know, there's that, like, you know, heartwarming send-off from Luffy, like, we're friends now, You, we had, it, we shared a meal. Well, he doesn't necessarily say that in the, the manga. What happens in the manga is very similar in that Kobe does say that near the boat and you know like there's there's a nice send-off there in the anime there's a whole scene where like kobe and luffy start fighting so that kobe can like pretend to be luffy's enemy so that he can join the marines and that's just like totally something that they totally made up for the anime just for the sake of it but you know in both adaptations it kind of highlights luffy's ability to you know show up in like the character that he needs to be you know like in the anime he was very much he need he played the part so that kobe could get the job to like join the marines in the anime it was just you know it was a nice send-off because these two characters like had grown to care for each other even in the short span of time that they had so i don't know it's cool how like all these different adaptations exist and in some ways like the live action is closer to the manga and in some ways the anime is closer to the manga but they all stem from the same story and you know it's, it's exciting because this whole world of like one piece is kind of like opening up to me so i'm just excited to like get get further into it closer to where you are obviously i'm only like four episodes into the anime so i, I don't have too much to say about like what happens after that point <laughs> but i'm like 35 36 chapters into the manga now so i'm fairly deep in there but still in the east blue nice nice yes let's go through the characters and see how you liked each character versus what you are used to from the anime so nami so i feel that nami her name is Emily Rudd. Right. And so I personally feel like she did a really good job as Nami. And Emily Rudd is actually, she's actually an anime fan and has been keeping up with One Piece for a, for a while now, actually. Really? Like, even outside of... to the show? Right, right, right. So I remember seeing on her Instagram that she had made a post about Nami like some years ago and i was like okay it was like it's crazy how it ended up where it ended up with her being nami yeah 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 but i think that she you know that the mannerism she has especially in those earlier episodes where she's kind of just with them to get what she needs she needed that map for the grand line so that she can yeah you know, she's still distant at that point right right she's not part of the crew even though like it's luffy just like an anime is like all right you know we're a crew and nami and zoro are both like we're not a crew you know <laughs> <laughs> i love that stuff 
they got it down packed pretty well and something that i really like that they did with the show is that so oda had explained where each and every one of these characters are from and they went with that version mm. you mean like in the like from the manga or just like so luffy is actually brazilian luffy oh you mean like actually like nationality nationality was. right right luffy is brazilian nami is swedish sanji is english zoro is japanese obviously usopp is actually african chopper is a reindeer <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it spoilers for me is chopper actually a reindeer or is he like someone who ate a devil fruit chopper is a reindeer that ate a devil fruit it's so stupid i love it oh, chopper so chopper is one of those lovable and like wholesome characters in the show and his story is actually like really sad when you get to it oh god because he I, i'm just a little like a, a little like history on him was that he was a reindeer that was born with a blue nose so like kind of like a rudolph situation where sure. he was being rejected by the other reindeer and then so he eats this devil fruit that allows him to turn into like a person so he got rejected even more by the reindeer and then rejected by people because they're like that's a monster you know that's hilarious oh man it's terrible yeah yeah so <laughs> jamie lee curtis is putting out there that she wants to be one of the doctors in that like chopper arc the arc that like introduces chopper so yeah that'd okay. be interesting uh, her name is dr correa and like when you actually get to like meet her i could see jamie lee curtis playing that character all right all right that's interesting i don't know if she's supposed to be campaigning right now considering the screen actors guild is currently on strike but hey respect the grind i guess so let's go up to zoro just oh before we get to the Inaki godoy i believe he's mexican but i thought he was brazilian too like he had that he has that look that curly hair that right. uh, is very common for brazilians and obviously the skin tone is very similar well he's uh, from that way. region of the world sure so. yeah south and central yeah so what do you think of mckenyu arata as roronoa zoro yeah, I think he did great. Right? I think, yeah, I think he did fantastic. He was fun. I, I, I liked his vibe. So I've been, I know that this is going to sound blasphemous to some people. So I've been watching the One Piece anime, like the dub. Sure. And a lot of that is because I, I meet some of these voice actors when I go to these anime conventions. And Chris Sabat does Zoro's voice. Oh, does he? Yes, yes. Dude, he does everyone. All Might, Vegeta, yes. <laughs> he does Dude, Zoro. He everyone. So, seeing Zoro on the screen, they really, like, nailed it. Yeah, he looked great on the screen, especially when you got to the Baradier and he fights against Mihawk and he does the three sword stuff. The three swords. What style. a great scene. And if you look at that scene side by side with the anime, it's, like, so very close. Really? You think it was on yeah. purpose or? Cool. So I think so, that that's one of those scenes that I think there was like certain scenes that they wanted to make sure that they nailed it. Like there's other stuff that they mm. knew that they could take liberties on, but they wanted to make sure that certain things were on point with the anime and maybe the manga. Whereas like when Nami asked Luffy for help, like that was like pretty much like almost one for one between the anime and the live action really so 
That's cool because I know that the I was listening or I was reading some comments made by one of the producers of the series and he was saying that like he was a big One Piece fan like the anime first you know before getting into the manga so that makes a lot of sense and actually when you think about like the most anime scene of the entire first season it's that fight between Roronoa Zoro and Dracula Mihawk the fact that he pulls out a little knife and it's just like using it to stop three blades yes. is just crazy it's the most anime thing you could possibly think of that would never happen in any other medium ever so it that makes sense that they like you know obviously used inspiration from what was already there in the, in the anime so that's cool what do you think of Usopp Jacob Romero Gibson played Usopp I think he did a great job too Usopp's one of those He's an interesting character because he's one of those characters that like he likes to boast like, oh, I'm Captain Usopp. I'm the greatest warrior there is. And then when things go down, he runs, you know, so yeah. that's what Usopp does. You know, he'll go and he hides. But I will say, to be all fair, when you need to count on Usopp, he does follow through for the most part. And there's a lot to love about Usopp and I, I feel like the live action adaptation did that pretty well. I mean, minus the really weird nose that he has. Yeah, I think that they're okay with, you know, like removing that crazy nose. I think it, it just makes it a little bit more believable. What right. I really liked and, about- and I kind of yeah. seen it because his nose was a little bit on the skinnier side. Like, you know, like it was yeah. like a wider nose. Like he had like a skinnier sure. nose. But I feel like as long as he looked the part and he had the character's personality and he did really well like he was very believable as Usopp yeah I really loved uh the relationship that he had with Kaya yeah you know like he really cares for this person you know this by the way if you guys haven't you know actually sat down to watch the live action one piece I don't want to like spoil this for you it's really really good like it's it has absolutely no right being as good as it, as it is so I I 100% highly recommend watching this if you're a fan of the one piece anime or manga definitely watch it because this is definitely getting a second season and yes yes it's been confirmed yeah and it's, it's become one of uh, Netflix's most popular series within you know like a very short time you know, this is going to end up being one of those Stranger Things, Wednesday, Squid Game types things where it's just like it, it becomes a movement, you know, in terms of like this is like a holy grail of Netflix properties. I, I highly recommend giving it a shot because even if you think it's a little bit corny, just push through it. I promise you by the end, you're just going to be like, you're going to be in tears, you know, like by the end of episode seven, you're just like, holy crap, this is amazing. I agree. It has no right to be that good because most of the time they're not, not. good. You know, these anime <laughs> adaptations really just are not, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I agree. It's, it's a great time. It really brought a lot of people into the One Piece scene that most of the time wouldn't give anime the time of day, you know? 100%. Yeah. my Pretty much my whole family. I haven't gotten my parents to watch it yet, but like both my brothers have seen it. Austin, you know, my brother Austin, he's such a like contrarian, you know, like, oh, well, I don't really like One Piece. I, I've given it a shot a long time ago and I really don't like it. <laughs> but uh, he really liked the first season of this show so obviously uh, he's given one piece a, a second chance obviously but anyway yeah it's a surprisingly good show and no not even a good show it's a surprisingly great show from a production standpoint to a camera standpoint to an adaptation standpoint and obviously the, the story is as good as it is in 
I would say that the manga is, you know, like, I think they do a really good job of adapting what was originally told into a live action medium. I was, I was saying something about like Kaya and Usopp and their relationship. You know, Kaya is this girl who's been slowly poisoned over the course of a couple of years. And Usopp is, you know, just like this town liar who, you know, comes <laughs> and tells her these like tall tales of, you know, heroics and piracy. And when it comes down to him actually like, you know, being a pirate or, you know, being a heroic individual, he doesn't really... It's not something that comes natural to him, but in the moment, he does what needs to, like, happen. And I love that, like, by the end of the season, you get a couple scenes of him, you know, doing what, you know, a hero would do. And I think that that's pretty Yes. Cool. Everyone see, gets their see, shot. Right, right. See, that that's what Usopp's character is. Like, Usopp will be that guy that kind of runs and cowers. It's like, all right, well, like, no, let's go. But then he, he will have his moments of heroism. It's funny because in the anime, that's his thing. He is known as liar because he'll just like keep on running through towns. The characters that they missed in this one was his little like he had these little buddies in the anime and they were called yeah, the he, pirates. Yeah, he had like three little kids who were like right, his crew. Right. And like he would just like run through the yeah. town like, oh, the pirates are coming. The pirates are coming, you know, and like, they would call him Captain Usopp. Yes, they called him Captain. Yeah. Usopp. They- so that kind of makes sense why he, you know, calls himself Captain Usopp in the live action, but it doesn't really make as much sense in the live action because they kind of skip those characters. Yes. But yeah, so that's that's one thing. That's uh, a small issue that I have. You know, there's there's a couple things here and there that I'm not huge on, but like nothing that I hate, you know? I don't think there's anything that I hate. Was there anything you actively disliked, Anthony? Not that I can say. Like I said, they did cut out a couple things. And the Baradier, there was actually a big thing that was actually kind of cut out in the Baradier scene. Did you get to that in the manga? I haven't. I'm almost there, yeah. Oh, okay. But you can you can tell me. I, I don't know how it is in the manga, but you know how Mihawk cuts down that pirate named Don Krieg? Yeah. So Luffy actually fights Don Krieg in oh, interesting. the anime. Yeah, there's like this whole thing where they show up so you know that pirate that sanji feeds yes he's actually somebody from that crew so, so that ends up kind of crew. right right so that ends up kind of playing out into the whole thing but yeah luffy fights don krieg and like throws down there's like this whole crazy like guy in this giant metal ball in that fight yeah there's like there's a lot that goes on in that fight but i will say that the way that they went about it was it was kind of cool and showing the power that mihawk has sorry and my, slice the ship yeah my my cat's running around just making all kinds of weird noises bro at it again yeah dude he sliced the ship like from like 50 feet away how did he do that <laughs> power of the anime. power power of anime and god was on his side yeah dude I'm, I'm really excited to dive deeper into this like just digging into like the history of this world is like super fun like going because i in my video that i'm making i'm going back to like all the flashbacks so this is like 22 years ago 10 years ago eight nine seven years ago and i'm kind of like piecing it all together and like how it would have landed chronologically and it's fun you know i'm having a really good time exploring like the the back history of all these characters and like what's going on with everyone what did you think of sanji oh dude sanji was i think so good he had like a real presence, like a like a like a camera presence, you know. He had a real presence, and he did really good with Sanji, the actor. What's his name? 
His name is... Taz Skyler. Taz Skyler did a really great job as Sanji. He got the mannerisms, the, the hand in the pocket. And that's Sanji. Sanji's thing is kicking. And he, that's what he did. Is it because he doesn't want to, like, mess up his hands for cooking? I'm pretty sure that that... I think that that was something that he said. I think that that was his explanation. Okay. But, yeah, and I, I love that they had him cook and plate, and it looked very gourmet. Yeah. And when he came on, I was so impressed with the kitchen on the Going Merry, which is the mm. name of the ship. Yeah. I was like, dude, this is an amazing kitchen. They, yeah, they right? They got, like, all these spices and stuff in there. It looked amazing. I know. Dude, all the sets were amazing. You know, from the Going Merry to the Baratier to Buggy's little tent like circus dance that they they changed that that story quite a bit too but i i had a fun time with them what did you think of some of the enemies that they had like buggy and axan morgan i think that they did a really good job that fight during the axan morgan part was really good that's where you got the first taste of like true combat in that from the live action from like the anime and i was like man it was in that moment i was like dude i'm gonna love this so much and then you got to buggy and you finally got to experience some of the weirder devil fruit powers which is the chop chop fruit and how he could break his body apart yeah yeah what's amazing about that for me is that you know if you look at some of the future stuff that happens in one piece or some of the future characters that are just so insane and crazy yes i have faith that they'll do it with at least some level of respect to the source material because they were able to do buggy so well you know yes. like they didn't they it wasn't just a guy in a clown outfit it was a guy in a clown outfit who could be sliced and diced any which way and yes. it was the craziest fight in probably the entire show just because it was so it was so weird but yes, they did the, it really well so the next devil fruit power that we'll be experiencing it will be in Logtown with captain smoker mm, and they they tease him at the very yes. end yeah, they, they do. That was him. Okay. All right. A man ate a fruit and started chain smoking. It is what it is. <laughs> that dude will have like, have like three cigars like in his mouth. He has like cigars lining his jacket. It's so crazy. It's going to be interesting <laughs> to see his live action counterpart. But yeah. they did Arlong really good. And Arlong actually showed up earlier in the live action than he did in the anime so in the anime like i said the big villain that they fought was don krieg but arlong shows up at the baradier and so like he kind of like shows himself but i i really think that they did a really good job he was imposing he had the swagger to him it really did well in the live action for its anime counterpart at least yeah i i totally agree and i think what you what you're trying to say is that for the sake of brevity you know because it's live action it's a lot harder to get a thousand episodes of live action than it is to get you know like they had to condense quite a bit so they had to make some creative cuts and like overlap story arcs so they overlapped what they were doing with arlong and don krieg you said yes throughout the baratier so that it could you know thematically weave into the arlong park stuff and the coco village yeah dude i think they did a phenomenal job with all that because you know i haven't gotten that far into the manga i haven't gotten that far into the anime but it worked from like a thematic story point and did it work for you i know that you said that like they changed quite a bit but like did that work for you or would you have rather they kept the don creek stuff 
So when I saw that Don Krieg was in there, I was like, oh, you know, that that I think it'll be cool to see how that fight plays out. But it didn't play out in the live action. But with the direction that they went with, I was like, oh, okay. And at least with Arlong showing up, at least it made sense because like that's where they were headed anyway. Right. Yeah. So it's like they just kind of killed two birds with one stone. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited to see where the show goes now that the writer's strike is over. And hopefully, like I, I think that they've been really hard at work to get the acting strike over as soon as possible. I think the goal is to film the next series. I think early next year or early. Let me see. Because I know that they had plans for it. Anyway, yeah, I know that they have plans, obviously, for way down the line. I think that they said that they have at least six seasons planned if Netflix will give it to them. So the fact that they were able to cover most of East Blue throughout this season is pretty cool, you know? Yes. So I'm wondering how they're going to go about... Obviously, next season, they have to get through Logtown and them actually navigating to the Grand Line. And then there's like a whole lot that happens between pretty much that point all the way up into... So like the whole of the next saga is going to be the Alabasta saga, which I don't know if they're going to be able to do all that in one season because there's a yeah, lot. Yeah, because it's pretty big. It, it, it is pretty big. But would you have thought they would that they could do all of the East Blue in one season? I wish it was what eight episodes. It was eight episodes, yeah. Had they added another episode or two, they could. I feel like they could have maybe finished the entire arc or whatever. Right, right. I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see where the show goes. Hopefully, the next. You know, now that it's a proven success, because you have to understand, like. Netflix only bought one season of this to start off just to test the waters. This has turned out to be this turned out to be a huge hit and they spent a lot of money on the first season. With the second season, maybe they'll give them more episodes True. to play with. Maybe they'll give them a little bit more money to like flesh out the CGI and the sets and stuff. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. But yeah, you um, can, you can't have a one piece live action adaptation without throwing some money into it. Yeah, it is a beloved to. series. I mean, it's one of those ones that honestly now spans over generations. So, yeah, you know what I'm really excited about now that they've, you know, proven that they could do a decent live action adaptation of an anime. I'm really excited to see what they do with Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm nervous. I'm really nervous. Obviously, I'm obviously nervous. So what makes me nervous about that? is because one of the things that made this live action adaptation of one piece work the most i feel like oda being a part of that project is really what is Mm, pretty much one of the biggest things that contributed to the success and the fact that the studio seemed to be firing on all cylinders like everybody just was putting in the work that they were supposed to you know from direction you know from the production side to the acting side to those who put up the sets all the special effects like everybody did such a great job and remember with the whole avatar thing there was some strife that happened between the creators of avatar and netflix so you're right yeah that, when you're right you're right i mean so i, I we'll can't see. argue with that logic i can't argue with that logic but 
We'll see. All, all I know is that if they mess the show up, I'm going to boycott Netflix until the next season of One Piece. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, <laughs> Anthony, it was good talking to you about One Piece this evening. What do you want to talk about next yes, week? Yes, absolutely. Or, you know, what do you want to talk about next time? That's a good Ahsoka? question. Yeah, you know we'll what? we dive into now, Ahsoka? Now, now that Ahsoka's out, all the episodes, it finished last week. By the time yeah. that episode, By the time that episode comes out, it's going to be a good little two or three weeks out yeah Yeah. exactly so alright guys make sure that you get in your Ahsoka if you want to listen to the episode because I'm pretty sure that we're going to be talking a good bit about that I definitely want to watch through it again so that I can be fresh on that 100% yeah Ahsoka's a good time don't sleep on it if you haven't seen Rebels or Clone Wars but also I we, we do recommend checking out at least Rebels or like watching a highlight reel of <laughs> what happened in Rebels at, <laughs> on YouTube or whatever before going into Ahsoka but yeah thanks guys we appreciate you listening to us here for our 64th episode of Project Geekology we're about to head out of the East Blue head straight to the Grand Line and to Arabasta or Alabasta as the anime calls it have a good one actually before we sign off dakota what is the one piece the one piece is the friends we made along the way and all of goldie rogers treasure well actually i'm gonna ask you because i don't i'm not huge on like the one piece fandom so i don't actually know too much about like what happens but i do know that there's this one guy called mont blanc noland who had you know told the king of you know his nation that he had found a city of gold and by the time that the king came to like look for the city of gold it had supposedly sunk into the sea and he was labeled as a liar yeah could the one piece be this city of gold you know or... i'm actually in the arc that deals with that now it's, oh yeah so, so i haven't got to the part to where they find the gold if there is gold but okay. I am at the part where they found out what happened with the city or the part of the islands where the city was, oh, what happened to so it. So Noland might not be the liar he su- he's suggested to be. Interesting. Okay. Right, okay. right, right. All right. Some stuff happened between the time of his discovery and the time that he brought all the people over. So Fascinating. I can't wait to yeah, get to that. Right. Okay, Anthony. Have a good night. Friends, have a good morning, wherever you're, <laughs> whatever time you're listening to this. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next one. Alrighty, bye. Bye.